chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're just going to read two verses. In verses 5 and verse 6. Paul writing here says, When we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh it had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Nevertheless. Somebody say, nevertheless. <laughs> nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. He said, without were fightings, within were fears, nevertheless, God. And here today, I just want to preach just briefly here, to, here from this very topic. Without, within, nevertheless. Without, we're, without were fightings, within were fears, nevertheless, God. Amen. You can be seated here today. You have an understanding of who this is that wrote this scripture, that wrote this in this letter to the Corinthians. It was the Apostle Paul. Paul was a great, great man of God. Perhaps the greatest preacher, the greatest missionary that has ever existed on planet earth. He's the one that wrote the majority of the New Testament. He wrote the book of Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Some say perhaps even wrote Hebrews. We don't know the author of that book. But he wrote over 30% of the New Testament by his hand. This one man is the greatest missionary. He went and established churches throughout all of Asia Minor and in the early days of the church. He's the one that came into cities and birthed churches from just coming and, and ministering and making disciples and training up pastors that could take these churches over. He was a great, great man of God. But if you understand even more of his story, you know that... Paul, he was not always this great preacher of the gospel. But first, before he was this great minister of the gospel, he was Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the Christians. He was the one that stood there on the day when the first martyr, uh, first martyr, uh, uh, Stephen, thank you. Uh, when Stephen was, was stoned to death, it tells us that Saul was standing there on that day that he was, he was taking part in those who were stoning Stephen to death for declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he was the one that would go from city to city and he would, uh, imprison those who would come, those who were converting to the Christian faith. Saul was not a good man. He was the persecutor. He was a murderer. Saul was the one that he was zealous to make sure that Christianity was stamped out. Saul was a evil man. Now, he did it with what he thought were good intentions. He did it with what he thought was, uh, was a righteous zeal. But he was fighting against the will of God. That is... Until God met him on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to Damascus one day. He was going to, uh, going to search out some more Christians and throw them in prison. When on his way, there shone a light out of heaven. Knocked him off of his horse. 
He fell to the ground. He heard a voice come out from heaven that said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who, Lord, am I persecuting? Who are you? And the Lord said to him, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Saul, wondering, what do I need to do? The Lord told him, arise. I need you to go and to find my disciple, Ananias. You will find him there, and he will speak to you. And so Saul, he went, he got up, he was blinded now, but he made his way to this disciple of Jesus. And Ananias took him in, he mentored him. He brought him in and taught him all there was to know about Jesus Christ. See, Saul had had his own encounter with Jesus, but now he has somebody to tell him all about this new life that he can have in Christ Jesus. See, it is not God's will that any should perish. Here today we see this story of Saul, the story of Paul, the great apostle. And when you look back on his life, you might, you might say, why would God choose him? But the same question might be in your mind today. Why would God choose me? <laughs> right? Who am I? How am I counted worthy to come and to have a new lease on life? How am I counted worthy to have another chance? I made too many mistakes. I am too far from God. There are so many blockades in front of me that could tell, that should tell me that I cannot do this. But God. But God. See, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of skeletons are in your closet. It doesn't matter what you're guilty of or how long you've been guilty. God, he wants to come into this place and to transform your life. He can save you. He he can change you and he can give you a brand new life. See, here today, I just want to preach to you and remind you that we better not write off anybody. I don't care how backslid they are. I don't care how much false doctrine they they are holding tightly to. I don't care how deep they are in sin. One service, one prayer meeting, one altar call, one home Bible study, one spiritual conversation, one encounter with God can turn them into the greatest preacher that this world has ever seen. God's looking for somebody who they don't look like they fit the mold. They don't look like their life could ever could ever be the one where they're the greatest preacher that's ever walked the face of earth. But those are the ones who God says, I need him to be my servant. I need him to reach the lost. and the. I need him to reach the ones who they are down and they got no hope. I need him to reach somebody who the ones... Who look like they have it all together are never going to reach. See, that's exactly how Ananias treated Saul. When Saul came to Ananias, the words that came out of his mouth. Now, first of all, before Saul got there, Ananias was a little nervous. Saying, God, you sure? You sure this is, I've heard about this guy. But God assured him, I've got a plan for this man. And so, the first words that come out of Ananias' mouth are, Brother Saul. Brother Saul, welcome in. 
See, this is what God is asking of the church. He's asking us, welcome in the ones who they look like they not, they, they, they may look like they don't belong. They may look like, and when I say they don't belong, well, who doesn't belong? Everybody belongs in the kingdom of God. Everybody belongs, but, but it may be somebody who, who their life is far from God. Far from God. But it is the responsibility of the church to say, welcome in. Welcome home. Welcome brother Saul. Welcome sister so and so. Welcome in. God is, God is gonna do something great in your life. See, for Ananias, he had a whole lot of reasons to hate Saul. He had a whole lot of reasons that there were people that he, he probably loved that were imprisoned because of this man. But there's this powerful verse that we find in Romans chapter 5. Sorry, I'm skipping over a bunch of verses for our media back there. But if you can get Romans 5 verse 5. It tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Now when you receive the Holy Ghost, it should be really hard to hate people. It should be really hard for you to have some ought against your brother or against anybody See, verses 15 and verses 16 of Acts 9 gives us this insight into a segment of Christianity that isn't preached about a whole bunch. It's in Acts 9, 15 and 16. It says, The Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings, the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God was saying of Saul, he is chosen. He's my chosen vessel, but he's going to suffer. See, this teaches me a really valuable lesson today that being chosen doesn't eliminate us from the suffering. Actually, it pushes us to the front of the class and begs us to be chosen. And I'm not here to discourage anybody. As a matter of fact, I I hope to encourage you before we leave today. But I need just to to read a few more verses so that you can have a proper understanding of this. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12, he said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I'm talking to somebody today who you maybe are, are in a place where you're saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to take this, take this walk with God. I'm ready to, to walk hand in hand with Him. But I need to warn you. I need to warn you up front. Persecution will come. It's not going to be a bed of roses. The Old Testament makes it pretty plain. Job said, man that's born of a woman is a few days and he's full of trouble. Your life is going to have troubles in it. Persecution is going to come. But the apostle Paul, he said in 2 Corinthians 11, he said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night, perils of waters. In, uh, in perils of uh, a night and a day have I been in the deep. And journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. 
and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, and weariness, painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger, thirst, and fastings often, and cold, and nakedness. (laughs) These aren't the types of verse that you might expect me to read to encourage you to walk with God. But it's real. That's right. What Jesus said was, if you want to be my disciple, count the cost first. If you want to be my disciple, let me get it all out there on the, uh, just lay it all out for you, that it's going to be a bumpy road. There's going to be hardships that you will go through. So count the cost first. But here's what you're going to find, that when you count the costs, it doesn't matter how many troubles are along the way, it's going to be worth it. We got a testimony in the house that it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it no matter how many troubles may come your way. It's worth it to have Jesus by your side. You're going to face troubles anyways. You might as well have Jesus by your side. Everybody is going to face hardships. Everybody is going to have some things that are they're going to face in life. What I want when I'm going through the hardship is to know that my Savior is right beside me and He'll never leave me and He'll never forsake me. What I want to know is that at the end of the day that there are riches stored up in glory because I made it. I made it. I made it. I'm telling you that when it feels like the troubles are coming in from the outside, when it feels like you have all the fear on the inside, nevertheless, God is there. God is there. So regardless of what happens to us, regardless of what kind of pain we go through, regardless of whatever attacks the devil may throw your way, the Apostle Paul, he hit the nail on the head when he said, in Romans 8.18, that I reckon, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That I may be suffering some things right now right in this present life, but there's some glory that's about to be revealed in us. That, re- that glory, come on, is from God the Father to come down in us, to shine, come on, so that others can see that God is good, that God's kept me, that God has never left me, that God has never forsaken me. That is the glory that will be revealed in us. So I want to encourage you today. I want to tell you that whatever attacks you've been through, all the hell that you've been through, all the troubles that you are facing today, that is just a barometer that you are chosen to do a great and mighty thing for the King of Kings. You have been chosen to do something important. So don't give up during the storm. Don't quit during the battle. Don't throw in the towel during your hardships. Keep fighting keep believing keep worshiping don't stop the apostle paul he said i kept on going the hardships came but i kept on going i kept on laboring i kept on pushing why because i'd been chosen by the king of kings so the apostle paul he goes to macedonia And he writes to the church of Corinth. And then 
says it like this. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction. With battles on the outside, fear on the inside. If you read that in the Message Bible, it says when we arrived in Macedonia, we couldn't settle down. The fights in the church, the fears in our hearts, they kept us on pins and needles. We couldn't relax because we didn't know how it would turn out. Another translation says, ever since we arrived in Macedonia, we've had no rest. Instead, we suffer in a number of ways. Outwardly, we have conflicts. Inwardly, we have fears. English Standard Version says, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without fear within. See, just listen to me. That sums up the Christian life at times. There's fighting and there's fear. But the next verse puts it all in perspective when he says, nevertheless, God. Without all of this is happening, within all of this is happening, nevertheless, God. (laughs) See, we don't have a problem proclaiming the without. We're quick to let everyone know what's happening within. But God sent me here to tell you today to start proclaiming, nevertheless, God. Nevertheless, God. Nevertheless, God. Come on, I know that it seems like I have every trouble that is coming up against me. Nevertheless, God. Anytime you begin to read and study the Gospels in the life of Christ, it becomes interesting to see that God is always just to turn away. When the midnight hour came to Paul and Silas, they were singing in their jail cell, and God came in, and he rescued them from their time of trouble. Because nevertheless, God. See, Jesus is unlike any man who has ever lived. He was God manifested flesh, yet he was still flesh. It is verses like the following that proves his deity. It's in Colossians 2. It says, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Second Corinthians 5.19 says to wit that God was in Christ, rec- reconciling the world unto himself. So, but then you have verses that also prove that he was still man. John 4.6 says that Jacob's well was there and Jesus, being wearied with his journey, say, and being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Mark 4 says that he was in the hinder part of the, sh- of the ship. He was asleep on a pillow. They waked him. He was just as much man as he was God. So while Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was all God and he was all man. In his flesh, his humanity was crying out to the Spirit. His flesh didn't want to die. His flesh wanted to find another way out. Without were fightings. Within were these fears. Because of the fightings, because of the fear, he begins to pray and he prays this simple prayer. Let this cup pass from me. It looked, it looked at, as if his flesh was, was going to overcome the spirit looked as if his flesh was going to win out. He didn't want to go through this. looked as though maybe the enemy could have won. Maybe Jesus was going to give in to the fighting and give in to the fears. 
But then out of nowhere it says in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Nevertheless, the, the devil was rejoicing. He's, he's fighting against him. He's trying to put all this fear in Jesus. But Jesus says the magic word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, the one word that changed everything, the one word that put the flesh under subjection to the spirit, the one word that released any power that the enemy had over Christ, nevertheless, nevertheless, remove this cup, nevertheless, not my will, but God, your will, nevertheless, changes everything, nevertheless, changes everything. So maybe you came in here today. And you are focusing on the fightings and you're focusing on the fear. But here today, I want you to leave with the nevertheless. Not the fighting, not the fear, heavy on your minds. But let's keep on repeating the nevertheless. Nevertheless, God is here. Nevertheless, Lord, your will done not mine. Nevertheless, if this is what's needed to mold me and shape me, then God, let me face the battle. God, nevertheless, I trust you. Nevertheless, God, it doesn't matter what hell throws at me. I'm going to follow you fully. Nevertheless. See, nevertheless dispels hell's argument. Nevertheless takes that gap between you and God and it brings it close because God is near. Nevertheless, Nevertheless is what fights against all of these things that seem to be mounting up against you and your walk with God. Nevertheless. See, I've got a feeling that here today I'm preaching to some people who you feel like at times it would be easier to give in and to give up than it would be to keep on going. But I just hope that today you could have those words, that word implanted on your heart, never. The less you can silence fear when you begin to speak the word. Nevertheless, God, nevertheless, God, you're there. That word, it allows you to take control of your situation that has gotten out of control. It's it's that word. If you were to define it, it means in spite of. In spite of. In spite of the fact that I have trouble, in spite of the fact that I'm going through it, in spite of that, God is here. God is here. You can stand over the devil in victory when you begin to declare, nevertheless, God is here. Hmm. I'm going to bring this to a close here quickly as we begin. In fact, if our musicians could come. That word, nevertheless, is this word that David had to speak in his times of trouble. When he was fighting in a battle and he had been called out to war. And, and then he, he makes his way back home with all of his soldiers and they come and they see that their home city had been destroyed while they were away. Their wives and their children were all gone. David had to come and he had to speak that word nevertheless. Because what he realized is not everything is gone. They're not dead. Nevertheless, they are still alive. And so they went after them and they got the victory. We see Elijah, that Elijah, when he was at the lowest point in his life, The lowest point in his life, he wanted to just give up and just die. He's here and he's saying, God, it'd be so much easier if I could just give in. 
God asked him, would you go? Would you go and find somebody else who you could take under your wing? Elijah, he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, this is what you want. This is what you're asking for. I'll go and do it. Nevertheless, it feels like everything is, is, this is a great moment to give up. But nevertheless, God, I'll go and do it. Nevertheless, when the fighting comes in and nevertheless, when all of this is coming, uh, when, when all the fear is coming from the inside, I am not going to give up because God is right there. God is there. For Peter, Peter had fished all night, caught nothing. Here he was, an experienced fisherman. He knew that the, the fish, they weren't biting that day or they weren't coming into the net. He just finished cleaning his nets. He's getting ready to call it a night. And Jesus shows up. It's in Luke chapter 5. He said he saw the two ships that were standing by the lake, but the fishermen, they were gone out of them. They were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, Simon's, it's Peter's. He asked him to come and come down and thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets. Simon said, Master, we toil all the night. We haven't got anything. Maybe that's where you're at today. You've been toiling. You've been living this life. You don't feel like it's been productive. You don't feel like you're gaining any traction. You don't feel like anything's going your way. You're that fisherman that's had a really bad day. He said, we've toiled all the night. Got nothing. Nevertheless, at thy words, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their nets break. We all stand here today. I know some of you have prayed before. Could I just ask, nevertheless, let's pray again. I know you've asked for forgiveness before. Nevertheless, let's ask again. I know you've asked for healing before. Nevertheless, it's not going to hurt to ask again. I'm going to open these altars for people who are tired of focusing on the fighting and on the fears and you're ready to focus on the nevertheless God. We have some baptisms that we're going to prepare for, but as we are preparing for those, these altars are open for somebody who you're ready to just say, God, I've had it. I've got, I've gone through a whole lot. There's a lot of reasons in my mind where it might, it seems like it's easier to just walk away. Nevertheless, I trust you today. Nevertheless, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm telling you, if you could, if you would just give him a chance, God, he will show up and he will show out. Regardless of your situation, regardless of how you feel, regardless of, of what happened yesterday or, or what might happen tomorrow, you can walk out of this place victorious. If you speak that one word, if you have that one word implanted in your heart, nevertheless. With that one unassuming word, Jesus frees us. He can reveal his love to us. He can allow his awesome power of the, of the word, of the, the, the same thing that happened to him in the Garden of Gethsemane where he, where he wanted to let that cup pass. But he said, nevertheless, thy will be done and not mine. That one word can change everything. You could just, let's just start it right here, right at your pew where you're at. And just lift up a hand. 
It's that sign of surrender. It's that sign to say, God, here I am, and I'm yours. If you want to just begin to talk to him, just quietly, just be real. You can be real with him, God. I don't know why I'm going through all the things that I'm going through, Lord. I don't know why all the fighting's there. I don't know why the fear, the turmoil, all this stuff's inside. God, I don't know why I've, I've continued to go down the path that I've been down. But nevertheless, here I am. And God, I just want to surrender myself to you right now. <laughs> Without are the fightings, within are the fears. Nevertheless, God is here. The wonder the Bible says, we'll close with this. It says we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Today is the day that you can be set free. Today is the day that you can walk out of here victorious. If someone, today is the day somebody can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Today is the day that we will have people go down in Jesus' name and come out with their life brand new. Today is the day that your life can be transformed. I already said and mentioned the two who they're being baptized. If you came in here today and you want the same for yourself, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. God is here right now. You can have your life renewed. You can have your life transformed. Amen. Why don't we just come? If you want to make your way up to this altar here today, this is a place of restoration. This is a place of healing. This is a place where you can leave transformed. Hallelujah, Jesus. This world is not my home.